This is JU Israel Teachers Lounge, where we reach out to current Gap Year students, alumni, and any interested listeners, keeping you connected to what's happening in Israel and giving you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Senior Israel Educator Michael Unterberg, here with my co-host, Director Alan Goldman. How's it going, Alan? Okay, Mike. And Israel Educator Matt Lippman. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you? And Program Director, Program Manager... Rena. Hi there. Levin. How's it going? Good. Okay. Well, today we're going to discuss two different topics. Uh, we wanted to address what happened this week in Pittsburgh. It's definitely been on all of our minds. And uh, we've been speaking about it with our students. And we wanted to just sort of process it for at least the beginning chunk of this episode. Uh, who wants to lead with thoughts or conversations that they had with students? for a little bit of perspective and insight. I, I will say as a Zionist, I find these things difficult because they really feed my confirmation bias. So I find myself saying, I catch myself saying, oh, well, this just sort of proves what I've always thought, that Jews, no matter where they are, are going to be the other unless they're in Israel. Um, and that's a, a discomforting and upsetting, and it makes me even upset at myself because I don't know that my mind should be going directly to Thoughts like that in the wake of a tragedy. What do you guys think? Well, so I, I haven't had that issue of finding myself in that situation. Um, what I have found is there's that some of the students have felt very, very connected to to the tragic events of earlier this week, and some of them can't explain, but they feel so distant from it because I mean, physically they're distant; they're thousands of miles away, and that's very hard for them because then. They, they said to me, a few of my students said to me today even, that they're used to having to go to events to commemorate terrorism in Israel, but not be in Israel to commemorate events of terror in America. And it's a very weird thing for them, and they can't quite understand how to connect to it in a, and relate to it. I wonder if, if Jews everywhere in the United States feel as connected. In other words, I don't know that Jews in, let's say, Brooklyn will feel Pittsburgh that viscerally just by being in the U.S. with them. I wonder. I don't know. It could be that the students who are here are feeling that what you're describing is, well, I feel like I'm in the wrong place again. But if they were there, they might also feel like they're in the wrong place again. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that because the impression I got is, is, again, our students come from the breadth of the United yeah. States and all of them are feeling this issue of like, how do I connect to it? My parents, my grandparents, my siblings are all talking about it with me when I when I call them. And that, that's what they're telling me, that everybody in the United States is, is feeling it and trying to grapple with their, their feelings on it. Yeah, I, I think it's largely a feeling of, oh, we didn't think this happened anymore. It's a feeling of we just thought America wasn't that place. Uh, and it's dis it's very disquieting to realize, oh, America can be that place also. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, th I think that's part of it, the, the shock of it. Well, are you saying your students are feeling further away from it because they're here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh. Yeah, when they're in America, they feel like, right. oh, we're, we're, we're sharing at a distance. And now they're here and they feel like, oh, we're still sharing at a distance, even though this happened in America. For example. No, no, I thought you were saying different, that they're not feeling as connected here. They're not feeling as connected. Yeah. yeah so I'm just saying, I think that's the mm -hmm. other side of the coin. I'm saying, I think the same thing. I mean, for example, I have, I, so I teach in a couple of programs in Modian, which is my hometown. Um, and in Modian, they had a vigil the other evening for, you know, for the events that happened. So I told my students about it, and I had a number of students that attended. It wasn't near near where they started. It was quite far away, but they all just, a few of them decided that they wanted to go to a public 
gathering that was commemorating it because they didn't feel that connection. They wanted to try and get a connection. And as it happens, there's a, a guy who lives in Modin who's the nephew of one of the victims from the, from the shooting. And he spoke and he gave a tribute to his uncle. Um, and my student said to me afterwards, thank you so much for giving us that opportunity. Otherwise, we just wouldn't have been able to have a, to reach out to somebody on a personal level who'd been affected by it. So thank Even you. Even without meeting somebody who's related, there is some human drive to be with other people who are feeling the same thing. When mm-hmm. there's sort of uh, events happen, people feel the need to come together. Absolutely. Which is, which is a little bit more distance if you're not. I had students who went to... Uh, some of the city ones here in Israel, a lot of Israelis felt the need to get together in different Israeli cities and light candles or just to be with other people. Uh, it's a heavy thing. It's a heavy thing, I would say. And again, I, I think it's that loss of innocence, that there was this sense that one of my students said to me that she had experienced when Charlottesville happened, like she felt bad for American minorities in the wake of you know, having this massive racist protest of people chanting racist things and she felt bad about minorities and then somebody in the community walked over to her and said oh you know i'm sorry as a jewish person that your community is going through this and as an american she was like what jew and then she realized oh i'm one of the minorities i think that american jews uh i think i think america is meant to make otherness disappear but it doesn't always work I maybe I'm one of those older people who was raised by a generation that was trained to think of myself as other. I I think a lot of what I've seen on my social media feeds and from what I've heard friends both in Israel and America is that there's two parts. There's the the shooting and the anti-Semitism or the ra- the racism you could say in general. And obviously, you know, there's those. You know, there have been tragic events. Sadly, mass shootings. Mass shootings, and there has been anti-Semitism. You know, um, uh, you know, people drawing swastikas on shuls and desecrating gra- Jewish graveyards. The and ADL says in 2017, it's up like 57 percent or something. Like, yeah, yeah like the biggest it, jump. Yeah, so um, I think the, the the combination maybe is what struck people more than usual, especially Jews in America. Of like you said, you know, a Jewish student going to Charlottesville for the tragedy that happened there, but feeling like, you know, like I, this is sad, but how can I connect to it more? And then the idea of this is a tragedy that also combined anti-Semitism in a way that hasn't really happened before, like a cemetery or, or, you know, graffiti on a a shul or something like that, that it, it just makes it much more. We're used to vandalism, but vandalism, we're even used to occasionally uh, people being hurt. We, we know that anti-Semitic events occur, but there's right. a s- We know because we follow Jewish articles and news outlets online, but, but we those, feel like those that- things, those vandalism, you know, things, they're kind of like one-offs, and right. when they happen again, we know about them, but the rest, it, it doesn't get published on the front page of the New York Times, and this was huge. Everyone yeah. heard about it. Everyone was talking about it. I think the public, you know, the, the publicity of it also made it hit home more and harder for people. Well, of course, because now you're introducing like, human loss and the loss of life um, as opposed to a few tombstones or smashed windows of a shawl mm-hmm. or JCC or something, which obviously... Which you can say, oh, it's probably jerky people, but it's right. nothing serious that affects my place in this country. Right. This is something that feels the different. Have, uh, the stakes have been... I, I, I would say it's the combination of all these factors. In other words, the fact that these incidents are rising in general, that, that this sort of speech and this sort of behavior is rising so much, you add to that a mass shooting, and, and there's this sort of sense that, that there's something shifted in the culture, mm-hmm. which is making us uneasy. I would say just because I'm a history person and a nerd, 
I feel the need to point out that I think we were talking about this. I was talking about this with Alan the other day. Definitionally, it's not a pogrom. Americans don't have pogroms, we feel. I'm not saying it couldn't happen in America because we're terrible at predicting things. I don't think I would have predicted this. But a pogrom, I think, is when a community, a massive number of people, it's a communal riot against a Jewish town or community. This isn't that. This is, I agree with you, Rena. this is that American innovation, the mass shooting. Well, and we also have to see it in the context of the churches there, the mass shooting in the churches in the last three years. In uh, South Carolina. Where there was an attempt just last Wednesday, uh, right? Yeah, in, when uh, tried, in Texas, I think, or something. Where Couldn't get into the church, church, so he went to a convenience store and shot two black people. Yeah. So the, the fact that all of a sudden now these, you know, places that we see is that are supposed to be removed from that, right? Places of, uh, you know... Um, worship or what have you. I mean, there is a history of bombing uh, black so. churches, and, right. but this is this is the modern version, which is right. Mm-hmm. Automatic weapon assaults or semi-automatic weapon assaults. Right. It's the 21st century version, and there is a feeling that something has changed. Uh, so, what do I, my, my question is? How do you walk in the classroom? Uh, how how do you walk into a classroom with this? Um, you mean what do you process with students or do you need to process this with students? Yeah, or, right. Do you walk in there? Do I mean, I've seen so many agenda-led led things or do you – is it a teacher's place to process? Is that a teacher's place to process? Is that, you know, um, current events, let's say, right? In other words, which teacher should be doing that, right? So we teach this Israel class. Is that is that the place for it? Is Is it – you know, sh- should, so I think those I, 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 things that I broadly call social studies, because that's what right. we used to call it, history and civics and government, I think for sure. I, I, I would say any adult teacher teaching young people can have a discussion and have insight, I think, on the hierarchy of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of a student needs to feel safe. I think if you're coming in with a whole other bunch of feeling discomfort in your head, then you're going to have trouble learning whatever the subject is. And as a teacher, if you can help the student process that, I think that's actually an obligation probably for the more social studies oriented teachers. But I would say any adult teacher who feels they want to spend some time at the beginning of class sort of getting people to speak their mind and sharing insight, I think that's productive. So I had that in a class today, actually, and my students, you know, we mentioned it, I said, I just want to acknowledge and they said, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about this yet. Would you mind? I'm finding that in most of my schools. They said, can you spend a few minutes to talk to us? And uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. And they shared and I shared and we discussed. And um, they, a few of them came and stayed after class afterwards. I just said, thank you. That, that, that was very helpful for me because they hadn't had that form um, otherwise. So as you said before, the idea of like getting together with people and sharing and talking is very I think we also forget as adults that when young people process together as young people and they haven't processed it with the adults yet, that there's something missing for them. Yeah, they even said to me, because I let them talk. I mean, that, that, yeah, that yeah. was my approach. And then one of them said, well, you're the teacher. Could you please yeah, tell yeah, us yeah, yeah. That's what, what yeah. you think? And I was like, sure. And I, and I shared my thoughts with them. Um, but that was interesting to me because you know, normally our students, they like to talk, they like to say, but they really wanted to hear what the teacher had to well, say. Well, I, I think as educators, we've come around at this era to to recognize that we have to listen to our students more, that mm-hmm. education can't just be frontally me downloading information to them. The sage and on so, the stage. And so the, right. And the, but the mistake is, the reverse is also, of course, a mistake. 
Yep. We're not here to just listen. We have to also share ideas and insight. Hmm. It, it, it seems like uh, <laughs> that that position of being right. Our, uh, I'm totally not 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 disagreeing with you said about being social studies teachers or anything, but it's like. It's like almost like going back to what you said from the beginning of confirmation bias. Almost like in the class where we're talking about Zionism. Yeah, yeah. It like it has a very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Um, line of that of becoming that that. Um, I'm going to politicize so I, now this yeah. as a method to sell my position, which I Correct. think things like that should be avoided. Right, and, and that's uh, you know I don't think it's healthy. Those are very dangerous lines. And the, the, from my class, at least now that I was just coming from, is I had Europeans also. Um, and their experience is very different. Yes. Um, it's yeah. funny to Europeans, isn't it? Yeah. They're like, well, we're used to this. Yeah. We're used to like, having armed guards at synagogues. Yeah. That's, they, you know, very clear. But the, but the truth is some of the American students have too. Yeah. In their schools, in their – Well, the last um, 10, 15 years, there's been a rise of that and it's – I mean, there have been predictions of this. Did, did did you feel, Alan, or or any or Matt, that that your European students were like, oh, we didn't know what you've been waiting for, America, or were they like, oh, we just thought America was different? I've had both. Uh-huh. I've I've had both, um, from because also I have a, a number of European students. The interesting thing is the English students. I was like, yeah, yeah, we've experienced anti-Semitism. We've experienced anti-Semitism in our shuls and our communities, and. Even when I was growing up in London, I remember wearing kippah on the street and people sort of going, ah, 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 Jew, like this, like pretending to sneeze and all sorts of like whatever silly comments. Um, but the big difference, and again, I don't want to get into the American political. I can't believe that joke didn't get any laughs in here, guys. Matt, just. <laughs> oh, I, I got tons. And once I was on a bus and a guy looks at me and goes, Rabbi. And I just looked at him and was like, uh, what, what, what am I supposed to say? Like, it's, isn't it ironic that Jews are, known, Jews, yeah, <laughs> Jews are known for being such good comedians, but anti-Semites just don't have the they best don't material? Have a, they don't have that. They don't have it's it at all. Um, so, but the difference is, again, I don't want to get into the whole issue of gun control and, and, and NRA and stuff because that's not what we're doing here. But the big difference, at least for the, the students coming from England, is in England people don't walk around with guns. And guns aren't the sort of thing that you go and buy in a sports shop. So when they talk Walmart. about, oh, we've had anti-Semitism in England – Okay, so you've had those people making silly jokes or you've had swastikas painted on shores. Okay, but there's not the fear, at least not in the same degree, that someone who can walk into a sports store and buy a machine gun is going to walk into your shore. And so one of my uh, British students... Because even the police don't have guns. Right. (laughs) Now, sort of outside Buckingham Palace and like downtown London, they do. But most policemen are where... I find it funny saying this, but they carry truncheons, which is like, a, I think in America you call it a baton, and they have... Uh, no, we don't. And they have gas. Yes, no? A <laughs> stick. Oh, stick. I don't know stick, what we yeah. call it, but it's definitely not a baton. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. All right, whatever. It's a stick. That's what they carry around with them. So I had a student. He says, you know, I'm in the security team outside my shul. I volunteer. This kid, a uh, student from England. I volunteer. Um, I'm in the security thing. I said, right, but in England, what do the, the security volunteers carry? They carry flashlights. That's their weapon. When It's such a different mentality. That that's what for them. That's one thing. And then the European students who are coming from, I guess what you call like mainland Europe, uh, Belgium, and places like that have students. They're like they showed me pictures of their shoes, and there's like paratroopers. Yeah, they're armed. Who were like standing yeah. there with like M16s or whatever the Belgian equivalent of an M16 is outside their shoe, and that's a whole different level from say everybody has their own normal, I guess. But and it only happens after something bad happens there, like the attacks. In all those European countries, so that I, I don't know. I, I don't know when they instituted that. But Rena, you were saying the other day your parents, Shul and Tinek, has yeah, yeah. We have uh, a there's a policeman 
I, I'm pretty sure he's armed, but I don't know for sure. Well, if he's a policeman, he's, he's armed. So then, yeah. <laughs> and um, and there's also a bunch of volunteers from the shul, uh, you know, a couple yeah, of guys Yeah, that always makes me outside. nervous. I don't know. I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But you say there's what, also pillars in front. Yeah, and they, a couple of years ago also, I, I think they um, they put up those pillars that they have at, like, at the bus stops in, in Israel. Um, to prevent ramming. Yeah. Uh, that volunteer thing makes me nervous. It's, an, it's a lot of shuls have that, especially yeah, I, I don't know in what kind states of that don't have a lot through. of gun laws. My sister-in-law's well, yeah. I think it could be just to comfort the people who are going into shul, like, oh, this it doesn't makes, comfort this me. Makes me feel better, you guys know? in shul with guns. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, no, they don't necessarily have guns. Armed. They don't have guns. They're, they're not armed. Oh, in Ohio, there's a lot of guys with guns. Because Ohio has locked gun laws. I have a student today from Memphis who told me, Half his shall carry guns. And I said, oh, like concealed? Or, he said, no, no, they wear them on their belts. It's normal. It's like the rest of the city. Like, yeah, here I see here. people with guns, yeah. I, but I realize they've had training. In the States, I, I always get very nervous. I don't know. I feel like if there's a medical problem in the show, you go to a doctor. If there's a legal problem, you go to a lawyer. Security problem, everybody carry a gun. <laughs> like, I don't know. That, that. I don't like that. I, I will say that as a personal. Well, I feel like in, in Shul here, the guy sits in front of me is a cop, and the guy behind me is a cop. So I feel pretty. <laughs> yeah, here, yeah, but they, they're trained. Uh, I I do feel that in terms of I was trying to think of like I always try to look for things. We talk about the climate of being uh, how I think everybody's job is to not complain about the other people destroying the climate, but to make a better climate. So I have decided to be very careful on how I use the word they. That's a good one. That I just don't. I, I would rather, rather than that vague pronoun, I will be specific. So if I'm talking about uh, terrorists doing bad things, I'll refer to terrorists. I won't say they, uh, because that word gets sweeping generalities and people get included in it. So I will be more specific in talking about uh, perpetrators of bad things or ideas that I think are bad ideas, but but not speak in generalities because I think that all of us contribute to an atmosphere of disrespect. Uh, when we shouldn't, and we have to all pitch in to build an atmosphere. So I agree, because what was interesting in my classes where we've discussed this, inevitably somebody has made a comment which you would reflect by saying the they, and suddenly they gets demonized, mm -hmm. and someone Bad else rep. says, oh, you always, hang on, what do you mean you Who always Who are we talking something? about? We're talking about different people. Yeah. And I, let's all be clear and specific. Now, I can still be wrong. You know what I mean? And when I get more specific, I could be right when I get more specific. But I think it's unhelpful to generalize pronouns like that. And then we're, we're less responsible for our communication without meaning it. That's my own little mm -hmm. resolution, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's just hard. It's we a heavy... need to make an effort to make the world a little bit better. So it yeah. sounds, sounds I, a good place to start to me. Yeah, I, I really do feel like at the beginning of the 20th century, people felt like, oh, we're entering a new era where these things don't happen. And then there was so many disappointments in the 20th century. And I feel like the 21st century is going similarly. We feel like, oh, we've put so many things behind us. And the world isn't as changed as we had hoped. So... How's that for uh, uplifting? And then Matt also wanted to bring up, because it was election day yesterday, municipal elections, very exciting. It's the closest thing in Israel we get to Sunday, where actually this is new, that municipal elections was an official national day off to encourage people to vote. Municipal usually, and regional. Yeah. Usually we only get uh, uh, off for national elections. But here, because there were regional elections, uh, the whole country had off from work. A lot of teachers still had to work, but that's a, <laughs> that's another headache. Um, but not Matt, not not, uh, not Israeli uh, education ministry. Not in the Israel Israeli education system, but a lot of teachers, a lot here. of people in our business <laughs> of teaching. Uh, Two of the people in this room had to had to teach. <laughs> yeah. 
we won't mention any names, but they yeah. do rhyme with bat and Malin. So, <laughs> but I don't want to specify anybody in particular. Uh, uh, but Matt, you read an issue in the news that, that you thought was, and you shared with students that was fruitful for discussion. Yeah, I, I found this fascinating. So last week was the uh, the GA, the General Assembly, uh, where many um, senior leaders of the Jewish community came from America and they met with senior Jewish leaders from or Israeli leaders here uh, in Tel Aviv. And as a result of one of those discussions, a member of Knesset by the name of Bezalel Smotrich, I hope I've said that correctly. Um, Better he, than I could have. <laughs> he came up with an interesting idea. He suggested that maybe Jews, um, diaspora Jews, i.e. Jews who have not made Aliyah, who are not citizens of the state of Israel, if they spend a reasonable amount of time here, he was saying two weeks, we can debate the logistics and the definition he gives, but he said uh, they spend two weeks here. That shows they have a strong connection to Israel, and therefore maybe they should be given the right to vote in uh, Israeli general elections and uh, in government elections. So I took this article and I sent it out to my WhatsApp groups for my classes and got back some really fascinating responses. I just assumed that my students would all say, whoa, that's awesome, we want to have a chance to vote, we're here for the year, give us the voting paper, we're going to go vote. Most of them wrote back, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> But uh, very well-worded. Yes. Your students, very yes. eloquent. Yes, very eloquent. <laughs> there was one or two who were a little less suitable for the... Uh, this they is used a family emojis. Show. They spoke in emojis. Yes, which we can't do on a on a podcast. But um, hold on, boring. <laughs> that was an emoji. Wait, so so why why were, why did that surprise you, Matt? Well, because I just thought you know students are here for the year. They want to experience everything Israel has to offer. Many of them feel very connected to being in Israel. So I found that this uh, issue kind of opens up that it opens up that that issue very clearly of what role do you have in the state of Israel as somebody who maybe is not Israeli. Um, what connection do you feel? Do you feel that you have a right to say something about the way that the state of Israel is heading in and what direction it's heading in? Um, and I thought more of them would have taken that responsibility on themselves than than wanted it. So, so it makes me, uh, I guess, happy civically that they felt they weren't qualified, but it makes me sad uh, patriotically that I, I do think there is something, and, and, and I think he said it as like a flippant thing because he thought it would get his party votes. Let's not get into his. But the the state of Israel sees every Jew as essentially a citizen who hasn't done their paperwork in the state. And it is, I think, the obligation of Zionist educators to help Jews around the world get this idea that we uh, we the state of Israel sees you as belonging to us. So I love the idea of finding a way to get diaspora Jews involved in Israeli elections so that they feel that sense of ownership and connection. And and then can seriously consider citizenship because it really does belong to them to the degree that they want it to. Israel is there for them. So I actually so actually I, like that proposal. So I have a for probably very different reasons than the guy who proposed it. So, so first of all, the, he's not just let's put it out there to I don't want to give him too much credit. It's not his idea. It's a True. idea has been floating around for quite a while. And a uh, B, um, Israelis who live abroad have no way of voting unless they come back to Israel to vote, which is interesting. Or if they're working for the state. Or if they're working for the state, yeah. correct. There's if there's no official the absentee ballot in there's no absentee There's ballot. no absentee ballot in Israel. There's no absentee ballot in Israel, so that's – should be taking note when kind of how Israel sees the citizenship voting. Thing. That would be an unfair imbalance if an Israeli citizen abroad can't vote, but in a but let's say a British or American Jew. Group. Right, that, like what they're doing. And the final thing is actually links back to this Pittsburgh um, tragedy, which is that Israel, the like 
almost immediately, Naftali Bennett, who's actually from Smotrich's uh, party, he's the ministry, he's not only the minister of education, he's also the minister of diaspora affairs. He almost immediately got on a plane to go mm-hmm. um, to Pittsburgh, which, you know, again, it emphasizes what you're talking about, this link. It wasn't just like, it wasn't like, you know, some Italian minister went to pay his respects, regards, right? Who... It, 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 he wasn't doing a nice thing because he wanted uh, – it wasn't you know, this nice extra thing. He felt it was his duty. Yes, this is his duty that Israel actually has a minister who's, whose job is to think about the relationship with the Jews in – outside of, of Israel, in the diaspora. Um, that's his title. Um, and I think that that uh, uh, just emphasizes that, that the relationship isn't just um, one of um, – we have some connection. We like this place. This is that, but there, there's an inherent we're, um, you're, that you're, link. That we're cousins living in different lands. Right. It's more than that. It's that we are your homeland. Right. Israel is your homeland, and so of course a minister feels obligated to go to a tragedy in the states. Right. Is that? Yeah, uh, I think, I that, think yeah. so. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things of the speech that he made when he was there. Uh, people got very upset about him politicizing the the tragedy. Uh, we've seen that before. We see it, we'll see it again, unfortunately. But the, when someone takes their agenda, and you said before, you 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 know, you said something about use, the way people use agendas, and there's a lot of agendas floating around. He found a way to use his own agenda um, as well, which made me sad. Um, but I th- I think that is a valid point, though, that the minister of diaspora affairs isn't just the minister of diaspora affairs that sits in Israel. He got on the plane, as you said, and he went to to comfort and and to provide uh, and to feel connected, to feel like you have you we're with you that we share we share a destiny. It's interesting, but just to come back to what we're talking about with the voting and the absentee ballot. So, for example, my brother-in-law, who was born and raised in Israel, um, served in the army, studied here, everything. Uh, he lives in London now, and uh, the last time there was a, 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 an election here, he came to Israel for the day. So that he could vote, he got on a plane. Wow. He said the plane. He said LL and all the other airlines were packed with Israelis coming, coming from back London because they all wanted to vote in the national election. In the national not election, these and not the local elections and the national elections. Um, it's a bit different than coming from America because it's not as far yeah. and there's not the jet lag and all those sorts of things. And, and he voted, and I discussed with him afterwards. I oh, said, people come from America. Yeah, did they do as well? Sure. Okay. Um, I did say to this, I understand why you did it, and his political views aren't that far from mine. But there's something about it that made me a little uncomfortable because at the end of the day, he's living, he's not living here. So does he have the right to kind of um, influence the policies that affect me and my family on a day-to-day basis? Whereas he's looking at it from afar and living his life somewhere else. Except that that's exactly what happens is the policies of the state of Israel affect Jews outside of Israel. Yeah, I, Some um, do. Some, some policies. No, no, no. I would argue that from the perspective of the state of Israel, all Jews' destiny is tied up in Israel. And so all of their fates are tied up in the success so of the Israel. Min- Even if the only thing they see it as is an emergency shelter in a doomsday scenario, where anything from that and above, which is a lot, is a real connection. So I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. Oh, Rena wanted to say something. Okay, oh, let, sorry, let, no. It's, I, I just want to finish the yeah. screen that point while, it, while it's the hot, the hot point there. Is, so, for example, the Ministry of Education has this rule about the max the, the maximum number of students in a classroom, right? So I have kids in a school. I've got 35 kids in their class. I'm not sure how you can make an argument that that is something that my kids can't study math properly um, because the 35 kids are all screaming and the classroom's not big enough for them all. How that is going? How that affects a diaspora Jew? I just want to leave that out there. 
Vivica Sharina? Um, no, I was going to say that I have a few, I have, I know people who I'm friends with that grew up in America, families moved to Israel, they now have dual citizenship, um, who, who cast an absentee ballot uh, for the U.S. presidential election. Um, uh, you know, I was just at a meal on Shabbat and somebody and one person said that he voted, he, he did an absentee ballot and voted for Trump and, you know, somebody else at the table got very riled up. Like, why did you do that? Um, and he's from Florida, so it was even more of a... That's of interesting. A, why would they disagree so much about the president of the United States? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, he was a little defensive and said, listen, I, I, for me, what? how does the American uh, government affect me? It does very much, you know, the way that the American that the American government um, affects the the state of Israel, and so he felt that Trump would be the most pro-Israel candidate, and so he voted for Trump because that's how he felt. I I, I agree with Matt that it makes me a little uncomfortable that somebody, you know. But at the same time, I'm now Israeli and living in Israel. I still have American citizenship, and I did cast an absentee ballot, you know, two years ago for the presidential for the US presidential election and some might some we people might argue <laughs> and some people might argue you know well what make what gives you the right to still vote for the US president when you don't live there anymore well i think it's a moral question that I people can answer it differently i yeah. think i think there are different valid you also moral pay answers. taxes i pay taxes <laughs> I, I, and yeah or do I, we I'm kidding. We do. Oh, I pay a lot. Of, I pay way too much U.S. taxes. It's ridiculous to carry an American passport. But but and and so I have. I do think. Why are you looking at me? You I make t- that much money that you. Pay? No, <laughs> you the amount that I pay is too much. I didn't say it was a billion dollars, but uh, uh, I can't bring myself to do it because I do feel that distance. To vote in America, I can't. So I, can't, why, I, I don't know. So why do you feel the opposite? Then that's interesting. In my defense, I did it right before I. Oh, uh, I thought you did vote in America. A, I don't. Oh, I thought you did. I don't. Oh. I don't. I, I can I can argue both sides right. and then emotionally I get bollocked up and end up on the side that I can't vote. I'm not I, sure. Yeah. But I, but I do think but to answer Matt's question, I do think it's a very different different question because my American yeah. and I'm American patriot and I think the constitution is one of the greatest creations in the history of human civilization, the US Constitution. But ultimately, I feel that as a Jew, this is my homeland, and the destiny of my people is here. And so there's an existential connection. If I drop my citizenship in the United States, uh, I think I'm fairly disconnected from the United States. If I, 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 there's nothing I can do to escape my Jewish identity. Mm-hmm. And, 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 that's, and, and that ultimately, if your kids are in a school that aren't being educated properly, and the Jewish nation isn't educating its children properly, then that will affect the Jewish future. And so I absolutely have a stake in that. Wow. Okay. That I think is a very, that's a very far, uh, I don't know how to say it. I feel like that argument, I understand I understand the argument you're making about the education system, yeah, yeah. for example, but it seems very hard to, to justify why somebody should oh, be able I, to. I don't think I can. That. I mean, I spend my life teaching people to think more <sighs> Zionistically and largely as an educator. I get people to think about it, but I don't think most people. I understand that most people don't think that way, but that's that is how I think one should think, even though most people I don't think right. do think like that. I think part of what this I think moves me in this discussion is the idea of, and I think that this is behind of partly behind what Smotrich is saying. I didn't actually read that article, but I've Smotrich I think thinks that more Orthodox but, Jews will vote for his party if he can right because they're but here saying, for longer times. So uh, I want to organize, if he ever did this, I'd want to organize a mission of like reform and conservative. <laughs> no, but yeah, but, I don't think he understands the scenario. I no, think there's eight thousand no, mistakes. Uh, in from this. my from my perspective, the point is that how 
how do you how do you make people feel more connected? Right. How and when they have a stake in it? Yeah. Right. And that that's the bottom line when they have a stake in it. So if you say, hey, wait, you get to vote. You're saying, wait a second, this is not just that country you visited. It's not just that country that's like a symbol for you or it's actually something that you've a stake in and that you're part of and you get a say in it. Don't um, think of yourself as a cultural tourist in a culture you're connected yeah. to. Con- this is your homeland. This is your destiny. You should have a say. I would love for the government to come. I understand the civic challenge of having people who aren't connected voting. I wish there was something we could create that every, every Jew could vote for. So, so you, when we had discussed this previously, um, well, that's a world's well, worst Zionist organization or well, something. Well, you don't right. really vote for that. I don't know how that voting works. I don't know how that like works. you had suggested that maybe making, for example, the position of diaspora affairs minister something that the diaspora would would vote for. Again, right. I have no idea of the practicalities of that or otherwise, but it's maybe. Yeah, right. I, I mean, we. Well, I mean, yeah. It's bottom line: citizenship, you know, comes with privileges and responsibilities, but then it, you feel more part of it. Even though, even yesterday. All, you know, it's a good turnout, right? We were talking before about uh, Jay changed the law, 60% turnout across the country, which is up 10% from the last election when it wasn't a day off. But that means also 40% of people are not voting. Well, it's funny. So if it's you like, think of democracy for a second, not as a system of government, but as a religion. And I do think to a certain extent, that's a fair analogy in Western societies. Voting is the chief ritual. Yeah. There are other rituals right. involved in democracy, but voting really is an important ritual that connects people. So the health of the democracy to a certain extent can be measured by how many participate in that ritual in local, municipal, or national elections. Again, it might be a cultural thing, but nobody that I've spoken to didn't vote. So now I'm trying to understand where that... <laughs> well, it's also socioeconomic. Yep. It's a yeah. lot of, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So maybe I'm in that kind of cultural bubble. Yep. But I just say my wife was so excited, she took a picture of me voting. <laughs> there you go. I maybe. took a picture and sent it to my family. Can, also, can it's my we, first can time. We, a lot of voting selfies. <laughs> I was like, And that's all like uh, just municipal, like a local... My <laughs> friends in America said that all the pictures they saw online, it reminded them of like a seventh grade science fair. Yep. Like for a country that's, that's so exact, technologically yep. advanced, why yes. are they still using cardboard? <laughs> because, and I'll tell you what, it's, a big, it's, it's the science fair background that mm-hmm. you go behind and you pick your little card yeah. and you put it in, put the, it in envelope the envelope and drop it yeah. in the box. And it is almost impossible to hack. Right. Oh, okay. Well, what am I, I, I t- believe it. Well, I explained to my students how the system works that you, when you go and you give your ID card. Just have a lot of dead people voting, that's well, all. They, <laughs> well, that's a, you, can, you can have fraud. Yeah. Which you do. But you but, can't, which you do, yeah. small amounts. Well, one, I said, one of my students asked me, they said, well, how does it work? So I explained, you give your ID card to the person at the right. front desk. They hold on to it for and, you. And they hold on to you. And they give you an envelope. So someone said to me, well, what's to stop? They're, they're regular plain white envelopes. Yeah, you could yeah. buy in mm-hmm. any office supply store. Mm, no, they, no they it's have, labeled. No. It, has, it has the sticker on it also. Yeah, yeah. That you the sticker, fine, but anything. No, it says from mine say. Mine, didn't. mine was a plain. Mine said the region. I had two. I got the yellow and, and the white. Yeah. My yeah. white one was a plain white envelope. I'm oh, sure. Mine was it, it, Maybe it was. A, maybe they ran out. So my yeah. maybe it's Modi today on uncovered. <laughs> so what, the latest expose suggested. Well, why don't you just like stuff a whole load in your pants pocket, and because there's and what? A, a, the envelopes, and then you go behind the thing, you fill up as many envelopes as you want, and then drop it in the box. They, they can see how many envelopes you're putting in. I'm not sure. No, not behind the, the science fair thing. See, you're out in the open. No, no, my box. No, the box is out there. Oh, the box is out there. That's true. Yeah. That's like yeah. if you put lots of things in, you're, you're, it becomes negated, your thing. Well, if you stuff the envelope with more things, then yeah. they neutralize the whole thing. More, but if you put in a bunch, that's the Salah Shabbati scene where he puts 100 things yeah. in and they're like, you can't put more than one in. Exactly. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's a classic Israeli joke. That that would be. It's not impossible, but it, to 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 commit voter fraud. Small. Yeah, I, I'm not advocating for voter fraud, by the way. If anybody's <laughs> suggesting that I am, no, no, I think basically happened. all the results in Modine are in question now. <laughs> <laughs> At least Matt's. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think it is hard to hack, which in the 21st century is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's why. I think it's just a the tradition. The only issue I had was, I guess, I was taking longer than usual because everything was in Hebrew and my Hebrew was not where it should be. And um, and somebody, your Hebrew's great. <laughs> Alan's been trying to get me to speak only in Hebrew. Um, and a sure. woman came behind the board because I guess she thought it was her turn. <laughs> I was like, Oops. so caught off guard. You know, it's like somebody walking in on you in a dressing room. Or something, yes. like so uncomfortable. <laughs> well, She's like, oh, sorry, you were taking a while. I was like, the sorry, I'm still pretty American. That. They're not, they're not allowed to let someone else. They're not allowed. Yeah, I guess, somebody, they, I guess the people yeah, holding the ID got, up, you know, they right. forgot. They yeah. forgot you were because there. Because my wife went behind that. Even though they were holding my ID. Like. Well, then how could, right. My wife went behind and all four kids wanted to come with her. So I made a move to go and take one, like some of the kids. I said, can I help you? I'm going to take one of the kids. And the guy yelled at me, don't you go back there. You're not allowed to. I said, are you joking? He said, of course I'm not joking. It's my he wife. I know who she's voting for. Yeah, yeah, well, sometimes the people who work there aren't necessarily <laughs> of the... Uh, That's the fun part of being in a, in a small community is that like everybody knows everybody. Like, you know... You know, the people who are watching, you know, the people who are running, you know. It's true, but we yeah. should celebrate it as that kind yeah. of family ritual where we're encouraging. Like there was an elderly person in front of me who got confused and I thought they were uh, inappropriately, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Yeah. Badgered? Admonished? They, 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 she was admonished as if, she, you know, but, you know, she should, I think this is a special. In Modin, they were giving chocolate. Mike's getting teary-eyed. A little bit. Friday, like, yeah. I, I really, you know, that really made me sad. I you don't agree. see that so often. No. Mm. Usually you see people go out of their way. If somebody's having yeah. trouble, that, that that would be normal, especially in the voting booth. That's One a place of our where... local parties was giving out free chocolates with the name of their party on the thing. So, of course, they give them out to my kids at 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the kids are like, yay, that's who you have to vote for. <laughs> there you go. Inducement for voting happens only in Modena. Sounds as good as reason as any. For... <laughs> it probably <laughs> is about it. probably is. Did everyone get the results they were voting for? Uh, no. I did not either. I never Is it do. really bad if I say check? I never do. <laughs> if you want to know who's going to lose, going to Google see it who I vote Me for. too. So that tells you something about who we are at JU Israel yeah. <laughs> and how in tune we are with the state of Israel yeah. and its government. So uh, we will, unless anyone has another thing to add about elections and diaspora Jews. Nope. Oh, I thought you were making a... No, I was yeah. just thinking we vote on ideology, not on political expediency. That's why our po people always lose. <laughs> I do think that's why we're out of touch because we're voting from this sort of big picture thing and it's not, we're not, we don't have our finger on the pulse. We're a little bit too like a uh, philosopher king about it <laughs> instead of the actual politics. Uh, but thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. And folks. stay tuned. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this is the part where I remind you that we are the JU Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast. And it's also the part where I ask you to subscribe, to rate and review us, and to share and recommend us in any way you can. Also, we'd love your feedback so we can respond to you on or off the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks.